Welcome back to the Have Not Room. I'm Ben, and joined here with me is Chad today. Uh, Brian is uh, is not here again this week, but hopefully he'll be back next week to talk about uh, what hopefully will be another exciting week in the Big Brother Canada 9 house. And we are here to talk about week four, and I guess a little bit of the week, end of week three. Uh, you know, so we have uh, we have a few episodes here to talk about. Uh, we can start uh, last week. At the end of last week, we had our Wednesday and Thursday episodes since we last recorded. Uh, we previewed the majority of what we saw in those episodes on our last Tuesday podcast, uh, where we talked about the stuff that happened on the feeds that was then shown in the episodes. Uh, but other than that, was there anything on the Wednesday and Thursday episode that really stood out to you, or that you might have seen for the first time? I, I guess it was just um, really fun gameplay by Victoria. You know, it was. It was cool to see her, you know, set up the whole thing, you know, fooling Jed and Ty to the point where they, like, fully believed that Kiefer was the target. Um, I mean, also good on, I think Latoya was actually the one that kind of found out that she was actually the real target. So, um, good gameplay overall, but, I mean, obviously Latoya goes home, but we'll talk about that. So, yeah, it was, it was a fun big brother week. I really liked that. Yeah, we see on that Wednesday episode that uh, this kind of uh, OLG, like, scratch ticket crossword puzzle challenge where they have to fill out this crossword puzzle grid, and Jed ends up winning that. Uh, it seemed like a very like a very combination physical and mental challenge. They have to keep on running up and down to get the tiles, but also you have to solve the puzzle. Uh, and Jed seemed like he was the only one who got really close to finishing it, so good for him. Um, and then yeah. we saw the, uh, the plan that we talked about last week that Victoria had cooked up, which is to kind of orchestrate this whole idea of like vaguely threatening, but not really vaguely threatening Jed and Ty, that she was going to put Ty up uh, and, uh, if Jed were to use the veto on Latoya. Um, we actually end the Wednesday night episode with a cliffhanger right before the veto ceremony, which is not something we see super often on Big Brother. It does happen, you know, every every now and then with like these kind of uh, situations. Mm -hmm. What did you think about the, the decision to make that episode end with a cliffhanger? It definitely um, it felt right. Like it was one of those things. I was like, oh, we're gonna end the episode. Jed's probably not gonna use it. It'd be lame. But, like, putting the cliffhanger kind of was like, oh, okay, what's mm -hmm. going on here? Um, and, I mean, like, Victoria kind of had them backed into a corner. Because I think if Tide does go up, I mean, how do you not take that shot? But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think, that, I, I think that was smart on Big Brother Canada's part, just to, you know, build a little suspense, you know, go off the, you know, the norm with just, you know, vetoes Wednesday night, eviction Thursday. So... No, I like that a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it did, it did do a lot. It made the Thursday episode have a lot in it uh, because we see yeah. the veto ceremony. We see all of this lead up to the eviction. We see the eviction and we see the next, like the full next HOA challenge all in one episode. But it, I think that they actually got like a decent amount of content still in that episode, uh, even yeah. with all of that. Uh, and we got to spend some more time with what I think was the more interesting part of the week, which was the, uh, the post-Nob pre-Veto stuff. And uh, that includes something that really comes into uh, like 
a storyline or a scene that kind of pays off really well coming into this current week that's now ending, which is the confrontation in the uh, in the storage room where Roe and Kyle confront uh, Kiefer right after the nomination ceremony, something that we talked about last week from the feeds. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, about that uh, and how it was played out in the episode? I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but do you have any uh, further thoughts? I mean, I think we covered it for the most part, but I mean, definitely a good um, foreshadow to this week in mm-hmm. given the situation. Oh, yeah. But um, no, I mean, the second we see who wins the HOH, we know exactly what's happening. And the moment, you know, Keith wins it, I'm like, it's Rowan Kyle because of that storage right. room conversation. Because that was just like, they were coming right at him. And he's like, just, dude, what's going on here? So, mm-hmm. and at least they covered the um, confrontation with just throw in key uh, for two when he's like dude I'm done with you you're dead to be in this game basically mm-hmm. so um yeah all signs pointed to it and thank, thank god it worked out to be a really good storyline for this week but um it definitely makes it interesting yeah I, I don't think that I, I feel like they put that in the episode even if there ends up not being any payoff but it definitely yeah. works out it works out crazy or I mean they, they did because they didn't know what the payoff was going to be yet because they didn't know the keeper was going to win the next HOH obviously but yeah. it, it worked out really well, obviously, uh, with we now know Kiefer winning the HOH and putting up Rowan Kyle. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just like you couldn't write it better, right? Like, in terms no, of, like, hurt. setting up and paying off storylines. Um, yeah. Um, and I guess uh, we can kind of cover the Thursday night episode. There wasn't a ton of, like, actual, like, hard gaming content in this episode because we have... You know, we have to cover the ceremony, we have to cover some of the post-ceremony stuff, we have to have the eviction, the interview with LaToya afterwards, and the full HOH comp. Uh, but we do get, you know, a little bit of kind of setup for uh, how Victoria is going to try to exit this week cleanly, uh, try being kind of the operative word, um, where we see her come up with uh, a wild plan of trying to blame Latoya's eviction on Beth. And we see her start to set this up right before the eviction, and then we also kind of see some of the uh, the follow-up on the following episode. Uh, what do you think about this, uh, <laughs> this kind of a plan to like try and make Beth seem like she was the one responsible for this uh, eviction? I mean, I didn't watch, like, the actual conversation that Beth and Victoria had on the feeds Mm -hmm. but I mean to me as a viewer it does sound like she was just saying like well obviously Ty's the better option because I don't want to go up like who Mm -hmm. wouldn't say that so Victoria saying that like I think if you're Jed and Ty you think about that for a minute like Big Brother it's in the end like it's only going to be one winner so obviously Beth would say that and it's very easy to take that out of context and twist that into you know exactly what Victoria did so and they're in a pretty precarious situation where that the Sunsetters have to kind of stick together right now because mm-hmm. of the, the oddballs. So they're definitely a cracked alliance that's being held together by, like, literal tape right now. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I've, I've explained that. I, I love Victoria as just, like, a Big Brother character, kind of. Like, yeah. just because I've seen people compare her to Zach Rantz. Um, where, okay. like, Zach Rance was kind of, like, an outcast on BB16, and, like, he 
he tried way harder to like make good TV rather and like to like just play like you know boisterously and big rather than to try to actually play like you know kind of surgical yeah. efficient Big Brother um, and you know calling people out and like kind of stirring up drama just for the hell of it um, and like. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> I can't complain, like, it's amazing television, amazing feeds. Oh, yeah, and it's awesome. Um, I, I think Victoria's, like, a, a little better than average player, but, like, her moves, I wouldn't, they're flashy, but they're not, mm-hmm. like, mastermind. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I think that she's, I think she's fun. She's fun. She's, I think she's better than average, maybe, in this house, but I think that she'd yeah. be below average on... Most seasons of Big Brother, I think this cast in general is incredibly like messy and not particularly like high level Big Brother players. So she's no, able to get dramatic. away with it. Yeah, and yeah. we kind of see coming out of this week, um, Latoya ends up going home as expected. Um, we had uh, yeah, I talked preseason about the red flags I had seen in some of Latoya's pregame. Uh, you know, content, and then even after she seemed to be in a good spot after week one, there were also still some red flags in her like uh, ability to play like a a very like wide kind of swath of Big Brother. Uh, insofar as like she has like a very narrow part of the game that she seemed to be very good at, which is. Uh, like making the people that she naturally connects with trust her and like she also is like a very uh, you know uh, like forward playing uh, like player where she is kind of going out of her way to make moves that a lot of people might be afraid to make a lot of normal players might be afraid to make uh, you know try to flip the vote you know, ten minutes before the eviction, multiple times. Like that's not a normal thing that like people are going to do on average in a Big Brother game week one, week two, week three. So, I I really you know, I I didn't think I would like Latoya coming in, uh, but she brought a lot of great entertainment to the season, and uh, I I definitely think that she's uh, she has a lot of flaws in her ability to play Big Brother. But I don't think that she was any more flawed than a lot of players on this cast. I don't know. Well, what are your thoughts on Latoya overall? As we kind of um, we kind of eulogize her as a Big Brother player here. Yeah, no, I, I like Latoya. Um, like you said, she has a lot of flaws in her game. I think she's a little too direct. <laughs> like that whole like I'm yeah. being real with you thing. Yeah. Like that's a great quality to have in the real world, but in the Big Brother house where a social game you know it's you gotta have to be a little conniving you gotta you know be able to talk to everyone you gotta be able to work with everyone or at least make it seem like you are yeah like she was just so direct about all of her feelings on things i mean she was loyal to a fault which is nice but that's i don't think that went to the game um she was at best gonna end up in jury for me um so seeing her go early it's not a surprise especially with everything you brought up on her but um, I think this was our biggest fear of her, was she wouldn't be able to connect with people and really take that, like, extra step with connecting with people that she didn't like. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. 
Yeah, no, there's definitely a level of fakeness you kind of have to bring into Big Brother 100%. that, like, is, you know, some people just can't, like, pull that off or, like, they don't feel comfortable pulling it off or, like, they can't, like, sell it. And that's just definitely yeah. something that Latoya has struggled with in the game. It's just an ability to really kind of, uh, like, put a face on, put a facade on, and, like, really kind of, yeah. you know like kiss ass when she needed to like she like she would blatantly say oh i don't want to kiss ass but like it's kind of necessary sometimes to a degree uh, to a degree um yeah so yeah i think that i think it just really comes down to just a, a level of inflexibility in her gameplay uh that mm -hmm. in a house like this especially where things are constantly changing uh you need to have a lot of flexibility in order to keep up uh, so like this this specific cast this specific you know orientation of the game and the specific like house uh, definitely accentuated a lot of what what could otherwise be uh, like less blatant faults in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's in a very emotional based house. I think like a lot of moves are yep. based off emotion. Yep. As with most Big Brother, but this one especially. No, this especially. I agree. Uh, like a lot of people are like really basing their game moves out of just like very tiny things that like shift their views of relationships like on an hour to hour day to day basis and oh, yeah. it's just very difficult to keep up with that if you're not that kind of player um so yeah we we say goodbye to latoya uh in a uh, a six to three vote she claims it's not a blind side i don't I it, I think your if your definition of blindside is extremely strict, it probably wasn't a blindside. But if you were to ask her before the votes were cast whether she thinks she's going home or not, I think that she would give herself like a like a 70, 30, 80, 20 chance to stay. So I think it's more of like she was cognizant of the fact that like she could go home, but she didn't expect it. That's my read, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. The fact that she was blindsided was just dumb anyways. <laughs> like, she shouldn't have been blindsided. It was bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get our next HOH comp, which is our first major, like, crapshoot comp of the season. Uh, it's like a shuffleboard game. Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, what do you think about this comp? I, this is like the kind of comp in Big Brother that like I feel like I could win, because <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that's like really there's like a tad bit of skill, but not yeah. really. But um, no, I mean Chief Keith killed it, man. Like getting a ten and then getting a nine back to back. But um, mm. I mean, oh my god, I forget her name already. Austin. But um, Austin, yeah, she was right on his ass, like. Yeah. But did we, I mean, we kind of found out. Did she throw that? to some degree well that's something we could talk about because it's not clear it's very unclear if it's she threw it or not me. so it feels like she did we we see it, it feels like she did. we see it in the moment them kind of whispering on the like tie podium that they're sitting on and then we also yeah. see kind of a flashback in the monday night episode of them making like a deal which is more of yeah. like you know hey you know i got you if i win and she's like yeah i got you if i win it's not really like a cogent deal you know it's not like when you're in a, yeah. uh, the last two in a, in a endurance challenge and you're like if you drop I will not put you up this week like that's a very direct and clear deal this is yeah. like them just kind of like vaguely covering their bases with each other 
And it's not clear yeah. to me. I do not. I I am not sure if she threw it or not. It's it's not clear. Uh, I mean, if you're Austin, why would you? I mean, like, yeah, obviously, win every HOH you can. But even then, like, for her to have two wins <laughs> so far, like, that'd yeah. be ridiculous. Like, I would I would have thrown that, knowing that you're probably okay given everything going I mean, on. Like, <laughs> so boring. But, is, is she okay? I will find out in half an hour. <laughs> I will see. She's definitely way closer to being not okay than she should have been this week. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I I think throwing it, if she did throw it, was a, a mistake. Because, um, like, I don't think there's much of a major difference between coming in first and coming in second in that challenge or in that comp based off of, like, people's yeah. perception of your, your comp ability. Like, it's yeah, not like a... Win. Yeah, it's like it's like is is somebody really gonna say oh first first versus first tied and then coming in second like th those are basically like equivalent in terms of like her demonstrating her ability to win comps in my opinion. So yeah, and I if, guess you really yeah. stamp out the sunsetters this week if you're her. Right. Too. Yeah, yeah, and she yeah, I think she puts up probably uh, Jed and Ty, Jed and Beth, Ty and Beth, some combination of those three. And one of them goes. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think th if she threw it, I don't think throwing it was correct. I I'm hopeful that she didn't throw it, but she's already started to talk about, assuming she survives this week, throwing the next HH <laughs> cup. So I I'm not con I'm not like a hundred percent convinced she didn't throw it, especially because her second throw was really bad. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Austin, like Austin, like week after week is just demonstrating to me that she does not really have the chops to win this game. Um, even on top of that, she's not super well liked in the house. I don't know how likely it is that she wins a yeah. jury vote against most people in the end at this point. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't know. We'll see. And she's <laughs> maybe a ten percent going home tonight, and maybe like twenty percent going home next week. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, so we we have we have uh, Kiefer as our third HOH of the season, week four, third HOH Kiefer. Uh, his second comp win of the season. He is the first person to individually win two comps, Victoria. Technically, was the last person standing in the team comp and then won HOH. So that's kind of like up in the air if you want to count that as two comp wins. But uh, definitely, sure. Kiefer has <laughs> shown to be one of the best uh, competition players so far this season. Which is surprising. <laughs> the two players in the house who have won the most comps, Victoria and Kiefer, definitely would not have been near the top of my list if I had to predict coming in. Yeah. And then Jed arguably wins a mental comp. I mean, what's going on? Yeah. Well, I mean, we we kind of speculated that Jed could be good at mental comps coming in because he he yeah, said in his pregame stuff that he wanted to throw mental comps in the early game. Uh, obviously, he kind of threw that out the window, uh, but that kind of implies that he thinks it would be good at them, and he has shown that he is yeah. good at them. So, yeah. um, Kiefer also was the second place person in the. Uh, HOH to Victoria one, so in the, in the oh, wow. comps that Kiefer has played in, he's like basically come in like 
first, first, second, third. Like it's you know he's like way up there in terms of that's, his cop abilities. That's wacky. Yeah. That's wacky. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how how much he can keep it up into the end game, but we'll see. Uh. Definitely something yeah. to keep an eye on. Uh. And so we have our Monday night episode coming through. Kiefer is deciding who he wants to nominate. Uh. You mentioned earlier. You think this is the right call, Rowan Kyle? I think if you're Keith, um, it's the, it's safe and it's, to say it's right given his, I mean, he even is very self-aware that he's mm-hmm. kind of like locked in with the Sunsetters because of the odd balls and like, I mean, these guys literally just didn't indirectly vote him out. Well, I guess they did, but um, directly vote him out, but it was more so because the person next to him. So he like kind of locked in with them, mm-hmm. but I mean I'm sure Jed Ty or Beth would cut him in a heartbeat if they had to, again. But um, I think he's stuck in that weird spot, and I don't think he can shift to the other side of the house if someone like Kyle or Ro has a say in it, mm-hmm. um, just based on everything that's happened. So I think even getting one of them out, I don't know which one's preferable. Probably Rohan for him. But um, I think it's the right move for him. Yeah, no, I think it's I. Not I bad. No, I, I agree. I think it, I think Ro Kyle is probably the correct move. Um, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I think the the more interesting thing is like, what do you do here if you're Ro and Kyle, uh, to like actually make a good pitch? Because we kind of saw the pitch that they, they each made. And it was basically like, oh, those three voted you out. Why would you work with them? And like, oh, we'll keep you safe next week if you don't put us up. And like, you know, uh, you know, we, we can still be friends kind of thing. Um, I, I think a lot of that kind of falls flat. Uh, you mentioned like, you know, the reasoning of like these three technically voted against him, but it wasn't because they were voting against him, but more voting to save Latoya. Uh, and it's kind yeah. of like they saw Latoya as their number four and Kiefer is their number five whereas the other side yeah. saw Kiefer as their number eight and Latoya as their number ten and so even though like in this certain you know uh configuration uh it's it happened to be like the reverse of what you would expect for Kiefer mm-hmm. five is still better than eight right so like yeah and now it's four because Latoya is gone so he's actually yeah, now their number four so yeah. Yeah, like, uh, like it, it's it's just kind of a shallow, like, contextless argument to be like, oh, well, they voted you out, so obviously they're not really with you. Uh, it's like, yeah. oh, well, if you're you're their number four, right? As opposed to like, if you flip and go with the oddballs, you're their number seven, probably six at best. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's logical. I, yeah. mean, I think there's an argument for it, but like, yeah. I mean, and, and if you're Keith, you're like, well, why was I below Latoya anyway? Like, like. There's so many scenarios here, but, like, I get it. Like, it's just how it is. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, now he's kind of forced to stick with them. So, mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, they need compliments to even at least chop down the oddballs mm-hmm. a little bit if you're a Sunsetter fan, which I think we kind of all are here and I have not really. <laughs> I mean, all three of our – we have the uh, – a Sunsetters is basically a four-person alliance right now, and three of those four are three of our winner – our three winner picks, so <laughs> – I think that we kind of, we're kind of we're kind of our hands are forced here. So, um, team Sunsetter. Yeah, um, but yeah. So 
We also, in this kind of, uh, the start of this week, see Kiefer put the pieces in place for him to form some more kind of relationships that'll hopefully carry him into the next part of the game, outside of the Sunsetters, which is... Sunsetters basically meaning Jedi Beth at this point. Like, it's, yeah. it's Jedi yeah. Beth plus Kiefer. That's the Sunsetters right now. Um, yeah. And that's... He's made kind of a, th- a threesome with Tara and Tina. Uh, they call themselves the pre-90s. And he's also kind of trying to bring Victoria in as a duo because he okay. knows that the oddballs are going to try to throw her under the bus to, like, get her on the block instead of one of the four of them. Because, uh, like, she's, yeah. like, clearly the number five out of five in that group. Um, sure. And also, uh, he sees Victoria as valuable because, like him, she doesn't really have an obvious duo in the game. Like, Tara and Tina are an obvious duo. Ty and Jed are an obvious duo. And they each have kind of a duo thing with Beth, uh, Beth as well as a third Rowan and Kyle are an obvious duo. Austin and Brayden are an obvious duo. So he's trying to be like, okay, well, I'm alone. Victoria's alone. And I feel like we kind of have similar interests now. And we can kind of, you know, glom on to what Tina and Tara are doing and sort of play this middle ground area. And we're kind of heading into next week in this interesting position where it's going to be three on one side, three on the other, and then four in the middle. And those four are kind of like... The, their loyalties are not super well defined. Yeah, they're not. The, yeah, not at all. Um, so a lot of people kind of expect would expect Kiefer naturally to want to put up uh, Victoria this week. She just put him on the block as a pawn. He got three out of nine votes to be evicted. So like she put like she gambled with his life last week, and but I think it is a very uh, like kind of rational and like unemotional thing to do to put that to the side and notice the value that victoria offers i don't know what do you think yeah no i totally agree i think putting victoria up um one it completely gets rid of that potential of having a duo with her so to speak and knowing that she's on the bottom of her alliance too Mm -hmm. like that's pretty easy bait to be like hey come tag along with me so i think and putting her up would obviously just get rid of that entirely so Putting Rowan and Kyle up, who are very clearly not your friend if you're Kiefer, mm-hmm. um, it's a smart move, and it chips down the other side of the house. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're on the same page there. Um, yeah. Right. So we get our uh, veto comp coming through here. A very <laughs> interesting comp, where they're playing as moles i think or gophers or something oh god and they each have their little station with like gopher holes or mole holes and they have to go underneath it pop up blow a little foam ball across like a labyrinth course and go boop 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 and they have to get it into this finished ball at the end and uh you have to get 10 of them into that uh thing very funny, oh very unique competition, um, and we ca- we see it come down to Roe versus Jed. Uh, Jed had previously talked about whether he wanted to throw this comp because there's also this kind of side thing that we'll talk about of like Jed and Ty potentially wanting to protect Roe and Kyle and go after Austin. Uh, so they're like, oh well, if we throw the comp to Roe or Kyle, then we can get Austin on the block. Uh, but no, it seemed like Jed actually legitimately tried to win. 
but he came up short, and Rohan wins the power of veto. And obviously takes himself off the block. Um, so now we have this conversation, or not really a conversation, I was pretty locked in, about what, what should Kiefer do here? Um, I think we saw a little bit on Monday of Ty especially trying to push Kiefer to nominate Austin because he thinks that Austin is a bigger threat, a bigger threat in comps, uh, and he also has less of a relationship with Austin, in his mind at least. He thinks that Roe and Kyle are potentially, uh, you know, I don't know, moldable, I guess, in some way for him and Jed. Uh, and, like, they kind of are potentially going to be still uh, a bigger threat headed into the next week or two. Uh, they also did technically make this uh, truce with Roe and Kyle with the intention of trying to protect them, at least if they had won the HOH. So I don't know if that's playing into it, but I don't know. What do you think, Chad? From, from Jen and Ty's perspective especially, who do you think they should want to get out this week? With uh, Roe or Kyle or Austin? Well, Roe's on options, so I think... Yeah, Kyle or Austin, basically, at this point. I think either one is a pretty good mm. vote-off. Because yeah. let's say Kyle goes home. Roe is in a unique spot because he's now out of a duo in this mm. house that seems to be all duos, and he would theoretically either be a swing vote in his own alliance or just you know a squeaky wheel at that point and you i mean i guess if you're jet and ty and you truly think that you have them um it'd be pretty easy to pull row in that case to become their mm -hmm. fourth well fifth with Kiefer in the sunsetters um or just make it like another alliance separate from the sunsetters um well it's something else but um but also getting austin out is a pretty good look and is their goal right now which I think it's a decent move um, still someone on the other side someone who's proven themselves in comps um, someone you have a pretty decent argument to get out I guess um, so I think either one is pretty good I, I, I mean obviously they want Austin so I think Austin's the better vote off but in the grand like as an outsider Either one is totally fine for me. I think Kyle, maybe, would be the better one here. But it's it's tough, because... Uh, this is tough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't think about this too much. I, I think Kyle's more moldable than Austin would be. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I think that it kind of comes down to how much stock you put into Austin's competition ability in terms of like how much of her competition ability so far has been like legitimately uh, like threatening versus like kind of you know uh, kind of a, a little bit of a um, like a fluke. She did win. Well, the thing with sorry, the thing with Austin too is you know she's not coming to them because she hates Bet. Sure. So like yeah. like she's not going to that side. So mm -hmm. getting her out if you're Jed or Ty is just. It's something you're gonna have to do eventually, anyway, and mm -hmm. why not now? Mm -hmm. Kyle, I feel like you could probably, you know, if you work at it hard enough, you could probably get him a swing. Especially, I mean, well, I mean, Rohan. Sorry, Rohan. If Kyle's gone, mm -hmm. you can probably more likely get him over there. So yeah. it's like, 
I mean, either one, I guess. Yeah. I think that the one thing that they're not really considering too strongly that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about is just, like, who do Tina and Tara target next week if, uh, yeah. if Kyle and Ro, or if Kyle goes, basically, and Ro and Kyle get split up? Because uh, right now, it seems like Tara and Tina, if Kyle goes, are going to put up Jed and Ty. Which, yeah. I don't think they know that, uh, which is why they're not really thinking it. Uh, and I think that there is an argument that if you wanted Tina and Tara to have like a, a broader option available to them, that leaving Ro and Kyle in gives them an alternate target set, basically. And it's kind of like a 50-50 yeah. then. I think that's the only like real kind of cogent argument I would make. Um, but otherwise, I do think that getting out Kyle is probably more correct. Um, but it's close. Yeah, I, no, I, I think it's, it is close. Yeah, I think that like I think they're really kind of overselling Austin's ability in comps. Uh, like she basically won one endurance challenge, which is scary because there usually is going to be like at least another one or two endurance challenges. But it was a very specific like ball balancing one, whereas opposed as opposed to like one that requires more like full body or core strength. Um, yeah. I guess that one kind of because you have to hold up the thing probably required some amount of, like, at least upper body yeah. core strength, but... No, it for sure it does. It's very different than, like, a wall comp, for instance, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. It's always even tricky, too, because you always see the, the smaller frame people winning, right. you know? Right, right. So, like, I, I could see, like, honestly, I, I could see, like, a Terra winning that. Yeah, Terra definitely is... She's talked extensively about how she's only, like, five foot zero or whatever. Uh, definitely. Yeah, maybe, like, I, I, Bethany, I could also see Ty... Jed, I think, would have a rough time because he's a bigger dude. Ty, yeah. maybe. Yeah, Ty's, Ty's kind of shorter. But yeah, it's, it's def definitely. Um, but yeah, I, it looks like Kyle is going to go. From everything I've seen in the feeds, it doesn't look like a flip has happened. Feeds have been off, though. You never know with this group, the way that they've done last-minute flips. There's a theoretical possibility that Austin is evicted in, you know, eight minutes or whatever. Um... <laughs> Uh, so we flipped and flip back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip, flip back, flip back again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, we also have seen a couple of other alliances forming this week. Uh, so we had the oddballs. We previously had uh, what they had called Carb at first, which was Kyle, Austin, Roe, Braden. Um, now okay. with like a Kyle and Austin, I mean. We're not even going to talk about the Kyle Austin show. It's, it's irrelevant. One of them is leaving tonight. It's it's completely in inconsequential. Probably true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we saw those four kind of re-up their alliance, and they're now calling it the Nerd Herd, uh, which for people familiar with their Big Brother history is also the nickname that the Sovs gave the friendship in BB6. Uh, friendship historically one of the most hated alliances in Big Brother history, so not a great history with the name the Nerd Herd, uh, but yeah. So the, that four soon to be three uh, kind of re-upped their uh, alliance uh, and loyalty to each other. Now that it's kind of become clear that Victoria is kind of floating away from them, over towards like Kiefer and the Sunsetters, yeah. and now going off of that. We also saw Victoria being pulled in by Tina and Tara in the alliance that I think is called the Pink Ladies. 
This was literally just formed like in the last 24 hours, so I might get the name wrong. I think it's called yeah, the Pink Ladies. Heard, yeah. No, it's it's uh, hasn't come up much yet. Um, they also, I think, pulled in Beth, so I don't know if the Pink Ladies is the three of them or the four of them. It's unclear. But I think it, at the very least, oh. is solidifying that Victoria is is basically like a five or a six for the Sunsetters now, and she's completely gone uh, away from the oddballs. Primarily because of what we saw in uh, the Monday and Wednesday night episodes, which is that the oddballs decided that their best bet of the four of them staying, at least the nerd herd carb group staying, was them all pitching Victoria right under the bus. And that obviously got out to her because Kiefer is feeding her info because he wants to bring her in. So, oh, man. definitely not not great. Um, it it, it kind of seems at this point like this season is just coming down to like which alliance and group of people like have have done something astronomically bad last, right? And the other group is yeah. the one who's benefiting. Uh, where we saw the sunsetters kind of fall apart, and now we're seeing this like carb nerd herd oddball side kind of fall apart. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and... it's, it's so weird because it's like you have these two sides and then you have Tina and Tara just like slowly pulling people to the middle mm-hmm. like at what point like I feel like at what point do the two sides come together just to get out the, the Tina and Tara group Cause it's like it'll be kind of like a middle out situation where like the two yeah. sides are going at each other and then like this middle group is kind of like conglomerating into a new side and at a certain point these two sides kind of go <laughs> like this, and then it becomes yeah. two sides again. <laughs> it's like it's like mitosis or something. I don't know. Is that what that's called? Yeah. I think. <laughs> sounds right. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since I did uh, you know, high school yeah. biology or whatever. But, yeah, it's been a little while. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a very uh, non-standard uh, house structure for Big Brother, and it's been very interesting so far. Um, I mean, if you get three, three, and then four, like at what point did a three and three become six and try mm-hmm. to go to four? Well, I guess at that point it'd be five, four. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is a this is a crazy. Yeah, it it hurts. It. it hurts that like, you know, as you mentioned, Austin, especially and Austin and Braden kind of as a duo, don't particularly like Beth right now, or uh, they haven't for the last week or two. There's tension between Jen and Ty and Ro, who is likely going to be staying alone. Ro has actually, to your point of like, oh, Ro's going to be looking for a new duo, Ro has tried to try to make Victoria that duo. Uh, Victoria is kind of like the the person that everybody's going to be going to as, after they lose their partner, I think. Um, yeah. And she's kind of like fed him what I think is like kind of a, uh, like a, a load of BS just to like get him... You know, off her tail because she knows that he's not trustworthy at this point to her. But yeah, it's very interesting, uh, and you know, it's not going to stop being interesting probably because we get a tease at the end of the Wednesday night episode that the next HOH, which will be crowned tonight, will be an invisible HOH. Now this is something that potentially something that Brian brought up in our Big Brother Twenty Two coverage when we were talking about twists that could negate like a majority alliance forming early right 
We're you heard it here first. I guess you know. It sounds like the. It just seems like the Big Brother Canada producers must be watching the Have Not Room, right? Like they. It seems like yeah. they're pulling a lot of ideas from us. Um, yeah, yeah, I live in the U.S., but I'll, I'll move. Yeah. So I'll become a Canada resident. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I pres. It, it, there was no other info given other than we're going to have like the HOH next week. It'll be an invisible HOH. People are assuming. That means it'll be an anonymous HOH, which is the twist that Brian brought up, basically. What do you think about that twist? I know we talked about it back then, kind of hypothetically, but now that it's basically going to be real. I think it's super fun, and it's something that it totally, well, I mean, does it really affect the, this, like, warring sides thing, or does it give... It's tough to say because it's like obviously okay. Jed, let's say Braden wins mm-hmm. and puts Jed and Ty up. Mm-hmm. Like obviously that doesn't change anything because that would have happened anyway. But like I think it'd be a fun opportunity for someone in the middle. Like let's say Tina Terra yes. win. Mm-hmm. Imagine mm-hmm. if they put up let's say let's say Austin stays. They put up Austin. They put up Jed. <laughs> what do you do with, like what do you do with that right like that's so tough because then it's like now both sides like oh shit we gotta win veto but now who the hell is it gonna be like right. do you put up ty next to jed or do you put up someone from the other side next to jed mm-hmm. and then like tina and tara are happy no matter what mm-hmm. so i think it's, it could be super interesting if someone in that middle alliance wins if someone from the sunsiders and Gobbles wins then it's just gonna be like who do we blame let's just blame the other side as a whole but if the middle wins, it's going to be great. Yeah, I hope that's what happens. No, I agree. I definitely think that one of Tina or Tara winning is probably the most interesting. Uh, and I do think that both of them, they've talked about this past week wanting to go after Ty and Jed next week. Uh, and I think that's likely what they'll do. And with the invisible twist, this kind of gives them cover to make that move in secret. Blame it on somebody yeah. like Roe, Austin, whatever and still pretend to work with the Sunsetters going forward, right? This is like the perfect kind of twist for somebody who's playing the middle to take advantage of, to take a shot in secret, blame it on the other side that that, that they're the ones taking the shot, keep the war going, and keep the veil of, uh, like, uncertainty as to where your loyalty lies head forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think the by far the most interesting. Probably Tina is the most interesting HOH for this yeah. twist. Oh my god, can yeah. you imagine? It's either going to be the best week in the house, potentially, mm-hmm. or it's going to be just another warring week, which is still mm-hmm. awesome. But like, mm-hmm. oh man, I would love a Tina or Tara to win this. Yeah. Great. No, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a good twist. I'm historically anti-twist for the most part, because I think that most twists that are implemented are not done yeah. well. But assuming this is implemented in the way I assume it will be implemented, which is that it's just an anonymous HOH, they each play like an individual thing, and nobody knows who the HOH is, the HOH secretly nominates two people, and then like it's the two people, and then three people randomly go into the veto. Uh, assuming that's kind of what happens, I think this is a good twist. I think that the, yeah. the downside for this twist is very negligible. That, like it's basically yeah. basically nothing can go terribly wrong from what I can tell, and the upside is actually yeah. really interesting. Like there's a lot of really cool moves that people like Tina could make if they were to win this HOH, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's definitely like the the floor is basically like nothing happens, which is okay, 
and the ceiling is like yeah. really cool shit could happen. So yeah, that's a good twist. A twist. It's a twist that doesn't change the fundamentals of the game. Right. Like the team's twist that changed the fundamentals of the game, where oh now the whole team goes up, or oh you can only nominate people from the team. Like that's stupid and it restricts the game too much. But mm-hmm. this is just like no, you just you don't know who the future is. Doesn't mm-hmm. change shit. So it's awesome. Yep. And there'll be a lot more scrambling, a lot more paranoia. I think it's great. I think it's just it's like it doesn't break the game, like you said. And yeah. like basically, almost anything that could happen from the twist, I think, will be positive for the show and positive for the game. So, yeah. very interested to see how it plays out. I hope it's executed well in terms of just like, you know, the like mechanics of it. Um, but yeah, very very curious to see uh, how that affects next week. Um, anything else? Um, I guess we could now we we mentioned Tara and Tina. We can briefly kind of talk about like my thoughts about how they're playing because they're definitely in the most interesting position I think in the game right now Um, and I I'm disappointed with both of them in how they played this previous week and how they appear like they're going to be playing going into the future and for very different reasons like basically opposite reasons so with Terra it okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna frame this kind of like in terms of the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is, like, the uh, idea, in case you don't know about it, like, the idea of, like, stupid people don't realize that they're stupid, and so they think they're smarter than they are, and smart people have, like, the context of, like, building the knowledge to become smart, to know that they probably have, like, a wider vast of knowledge that they don't know, so it's kind of humbled them into thinking that they're less intelligent than they actually are, right? It's kind of like this, like, you know whatever, this negative slope thing. Um, And so Tina and Tara are like the two opposite ends of the Dunning-Kruger spectrum, (laughs) where uh, Tina is very, very capable when she tries at like having individual conversations and like swaying people to do specific things, making people feel comfortable and trusting in her. But she doesn't do that very often. Like she's very reserved in her gameplay and when you're playing the middle, that's a very powerful position to be in. It's kind of like a pseudo-immunity. So like when you have immunity on Survivor, for instance, or if you're playing the middle on Survivor, because I think, I think it's a similar thing, but I think the immunity aspect of it is the easier one to kind of compare, you are kind of given some sort of freedom to play a little bit more aggressively than you otherwise would because you're safe. And so the position that Tina's in, and Tina and Tara are both in, are is one that they should be relatively safe because the two sides are going at each other rather than the middle. And so she kind of has a license to play more aggressively, more uh, like ballsy, but she doesn't really exercise that right very often. And that's kind of disappointing to me because I think that she has the chops to do it. And then Tara, on the other hand, has shown time and time again that her game instincts are awful. She's very unlikable by the majority of the cast. Her conversations go pretty much the opposite way that she thinks they're going to go, and she doesn't even realize it. Like, she'll have a conversation with somebody and, like, kind of reverse psychology them into doing the opposite of what she's trying to get them to do because they, like, dislike her so much. Uh, And... With all of that, she's having all of the conversations that Tina should be having, 
going around to each individual person and trying to convince them to do things based off of using her position in the middle that she's kind of fallen into by being close to Tina. And it's just very frustrating to watch. Because I think that yeah, no. like Tina and Tara could be super effective in this game, but Tara is doing too much when she doesn't have the chops to pull off what she's trying to do. And Tina is not doing enough when she does have the chops to pull off what she could be doing. So I I just need next week. It would be awesome if one of them won HOH. Tara winning HOH would be like especially the invisible HOH. She would have like she would have to hide her HOH items so I I think people would figure it out just because she would have such outward HOH itis, even as an invisible HOH. Oh my god, yeah. Because she has HOH itis now. Like she's had HOH itis for the last week and a half because of her positioning in the game. Uh, so I can't even imagine if she actually was HOH. But I'm interested to see how they play going forward. I really, really need Tina to step it up. I think that she has the ability. It's just that I think that Tina is probably still the best player in the game in terms of her like her, her ceiling is the highest. But she's not sure. even tried to reach that ceiling yet. But I think that she she should be able to. Yes. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with that take. I think it's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just something I thought of when I was watching them and like the way they kind of like approached the game. And I'm like, this is this is literally just the Dunning Kruger effect. <laughs> yeah, it feels like Tara is like always there, but like doesn't get anything done. Mm-hmm. And then Tina's always just like they like, show Pierce in like some parts yeah. of the episode just because she like has to have some airtime. Um, but like nothing that she doesn't do anything yeah. and it's not for lack of not, she's just not trying to do anything she's yeah. just like oh okay cool information yeah. and then yeah, she's coasting she's coasting right now like right when, when yeah. you're in the middle or when you're immune some way or if you're like if you're in a safe position all that is is that's, that's ammo right for you to improve your position for you to make things happen in the game that will make you have a better shot of winning down the line, right? Yeah. And if you aren't taking the opportunity while you have cover to take shots with that ammo, you're just, like, wasting time, right? You're just, like, wasting the, like, ability that you have there to actually, like, utilize, uh, like, some a great position that you have or a great uh, situation that you have or a great, you know social abilities that you have. I think that she's just wasting a lot of ammo. Yeah. No, Tina, like, I hate to even say it, but she, like, has the potential to do what Derek did to BB-16 in the U.S. to bb 9 Like, I think she could probably pull that off, maybe. But, um... Yeah, I think it's harder... It's similar. It's similar, but it's definitely different. Yeah, I know in, like, week one, there were people comparing her to Derek, people comparing her to, you know, Daniel Reyes, people comparing her to, uh, like, you know, Serene Survivor. A lot of these comparisons yeah. were kind of coming out. I I think that those were preemptive from what I've seen. Yeah, let's get past Jerry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. But, Come on. yeah, I, I do think that Tina still has, like, a very good chance of winning this game. Like, if she can step it up, utilize his middle position collect this middle group that is able to take a majority position at the start of jury or into mid-jury and then kind of 
run it down to the end game with somebody like Terra. Sit at the end with Terra. I think she blows Terra out of the water. Nobody likes Terra. <laughs> so, I there, there's a path for her to win, but she's like intentionally putting obstacles up in her place, in my opinion. So, I just I wanted to, to get that out of the way. You know, we'll find out who wins this HOH. Everything I say will be completely... Like, everything we're saying on this podcast is going to be completely irrelevant because that's how this fucking season works. You asked me at the end of last podcast who I thought was in the best spot, and I said, Kyle, Kyle is out the fucking door. <laughs> so, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to say anymore. It's so true. I don't know what to say anymore. I said Brayden was the worst player in the house uh, week one, and I think he's possibly in one of the best positions to win the game at this point. So... Who knows? Brayden's at the door next week. See you later. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Just pick, pick who you think's the best that you really want to go home, and that's what's going to happen. You know what? This is the have-not room, man. Yeah. This is what we do. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. It's 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 fun. It's still a fun season. It's chaotic. It's definitely a difficult I... season to cover. Uh, yeah. But I'm happy to do it. It's definitely a much funner season to cover than last season. So. Oh, my God. I can't complain. I love it, man. All right, let's wrap this up. All right, where can they find you, Chad, if they want to uh, they want to hit you up online somewhere? Yep, you can find me on Instagram at ChadleyJP and on Twitter at ChadPerry, P-A-R-R-Y, hmm. 25, at G... Uh, yeah, at Perry25. <laughs> but to give your email address. Email. Yeah. If you also want to email me. Yeah, okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Sharon, B-E-N-S-H-A-R-R-O-N. Uh, you can follow the channel on uh, the main channel, Wicked Get Everything, on YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, at Wicked Get Everything, on Twitter at WG Everything. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about this uh, Invisible HOH week that we're about to see. We've had a little bit of a late uh, week this week. So we covered a little bit more, which means that next week we'll hopefully be able to focus more on the week five stuff. So, yes. all right. See you later. <laughs>